Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Colacott, and I am here with the king of pop culture himself, Mr. Richard Roth. Welcome back. Evening. And all the way from Canada, our king of the film industry, it is the awesome Dennis Jose Francois. Bonjour, hi. On today's episode, we will be talking about the future, the future that never happened. And what do I mean by that? Well, there are a lot of films that we all experienced, probably in the 80s and 90s, and even the noughties, that predicted various things would happen in the near future, including innovations, uh, dystopian apocalypse, technology, all things that were supposed to have happened before the year 2021, but in fact they didn't. So I'd like to go over to Mr. Roth. Um, Tell us about your chosen film and what you feel should have happened and (laughs) actually didn't work out. Well, frighteningly, um, mine might be just, uh, it might have been about 40 years too soon. Uh, I picked the Mad Max movies. Um, If anyone here is uh, anywhere in Britain or probably Ireland as well, uh, you guys probably know, or or follows the news over here, uh, we've had a bit of a problem lately where we've had a shortage of lorry drivers or truck drivers, I should say, for the international audience. And that means uh, certain things like you, there's a shortage of toilet paper at the shelves, uh, things like that. But the bigger problem is that there's no petrol and there's no gasoline at the gas station. So you can't fill up your car. The ambulances and fire trucks can't get filled up. It was a bit of a disaster where one newspaper reported that something like half of all petrol stations had run dry. Now, this reminded me of a very, very, very similar premise to one of my favorite film series of all time, Mad Max. So two weeks ago, when this crisis was at its peak, because I believe the army has been called in to help the petrol stations now, um, we watched all four Mad Max films back to back to back. And, which is a hobby. I just love watching films in a series back to back because I really feel like you get a, a fantastic view of how well they flow and you pick up all the mistakes and you pick up all the things that they caught that you didn't notice if you just watch them months apart. And it's interesting that uh, we were saying this before the show, um, each of the original three films uh, feels completely different. Like the original film was a exploitation revenge film. The second film was a straight up action car movie. And the third film was almost like an adventure film. You can tell he was influenced somewhat. I think Time Bandits had come out a few years before, which also influenced, I think, Ultima 2. But anyway, um, but whereas the fourth film, we were just saying it feels kind of like a love letter homage to parts two and three. But um, yeah, that basically the original film was set in 79 and was, or it was filmed in 79, I think. And it set, it just said a few years in the future. And there are different, some say it took place in the mid eighties. Some say it took place in the late nineties, but the original premise, the original film, the backstory was that Australia was facing oil supply problems. And so they had to set up transcontinental 
uh, motorways that were in prohibited zones because bandits kept raiding the lorries. So they set up the main force patrol, which was this elite car police unit to hunt down the gangs. And then that's kind of where the film picks off is where it's been a couple of years. Budgets are running dry. You can really tell society's on its way out. The gangs have taken over the highways. It's it's all kind of not looking good for society as we know it. And then in between the second, the first and second ones, society completely breaks down. The power goes out. Everyone's on welfare, so there's no one. No one has any money. Uh, everything, the supply chains have completely broken down. No one has any food. So out into the wasteland goes Max and everyone's fighting. And this is what made me watch. Everyone's fighting over gasoline because that's, the only, that's what you need to stay mobile. And so Max comes across a, everyone's seen it. It's, it uh, this is one of the films where I feel like it's one of the most influential films ever like a low-key influential film ever made because it's like the amount of films that have taken inspiration from that some like water worlds have straight up just ripped it off and other films like uh or the manga i suppose it's more than the film but um fist of the north star was clearly influenced by mad max too there's so many films comic book tv shows that clearly just were like mad max 2 is awesome let's just make mad max 2 and so that he finds these group of good nice people in the desert who have an oil refinery and he helps them escape to say no spoil i mean it's an action movie guess what happens at the end the good guys win <laughs> um he helps them escape safety and then the third film is in between the second and third there's been a nuclear war the last of society has been completely wiped out everyone's now starting again and tina freaking turner is running a town in the middle of the desert called barter town and it's run on pig shit the methane from pig shit uh, is the electricity and, and then halfway through the film they just kind of like start a completely different film where Mad Max comes across this valley that still has trees and running water and it's populated by children who are the survivors of a plane crash and all the adults wandered off to find help and never came back and he kind of has to help them and I won't spoil the end of that one but yeah, it's kind of a, a hope for tomorrow. Of this is what happens afterwards. And then there's the fourth film, which is a kind of a, a mix of two and three, where Max has somehow found, has somehow rebuilt his car and somehow got enough gasoline and parts to make it work and is now gets captured by the Immortan Joe and helps, um, what's her name? Charlie's Theron as Furiosa to escape to the green place that's run by women and is all lovely and utopian. And I won't spoil what happens in that one because it's still relatively new in the grand scheme of things compared to the others. But it's definitely way post-apocalyptic. It's to the point where most of the people in that film don't even know life before the apocalypse, which I always think is interesting, kind of films that are like that far in advance. But um, yeah, I think the third and the fourth ones are pretty far-fetched as far as like what would happen by now. But I think the first and second ones are almost dangerous, especially the first ones are like dangerously close to what, what, what England came felt the way the press anyway, made it seem like we were quite close to getting, which was what happens if we run out of what happens if the supply chains break down? What happens if we run out of fuel? And- well, you, you have to add to that. And I don't know, Dennis in Canada, if you've, um, experience the same thing i would imagine not but in um in britain we have had a a gas shortage um and basically 
where our supply chain has, it feels like it's basically broken down. So gas prices have more than, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. They've got For the Americans, own... we're talking about um, ga- natural gas, not gasoline. Yes, sorry, natural yeah. <laughs> gas, um, uh, which basically has gone up something like 60%, 70%. Um, no, we we converted to running running everything off maple syrup a while back, <laughs> um, so no problems here. It's the Canadian but, way. Yeah, no. So actually, no, 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 no. We've watched from afar, like what the hell is going on on over there, and then we're like, oh yeah, Brexit. Yeah, so, it's, it's, but this it's, is not about politics. It's about not about politics. Not about well, yeah, what, we, what we people do, should have done and. Mm. Not not seeing things coming and that sort of can, thing. Can I, yeah, anyway. can, I say, <laughs> can I just say one thing about this though? When when I left the UK a year at the beginning of last year, one of the jokes was there's two two jokes. One was we'll probably be sitting watching the TV in six months to a year's time, thinking, thank goodness we got out of there, right? And then the other one was a friend of mine sent me the clip from the film 2012. You know when they, they're flying out of Los Angeles, it's all collapsing around them. Right, and and he said, "Does it feel like this?" And we were like, "Yeah, it does feel like that, actually." Um, and then, guess what? Six months, eight months later, we're watching the TV, thinking, "Oh my god, thank yeah. God we got out of there." It's it's the fact that none of the logistics companies realised that this was happening and hired people in Britain to do the job that would clearly be taken. But can I ask you this about about the Mad Max future? Right. Yes. When you look at when you watch Mad Max, and I've got to be honest here, I've never seen any of the Mad Max films. Oh, right. well, actually, it's not true. It's not true. I've seen Mad Max two, but it was so long ago. I just don't remember anything about it. Um, is the fact that we run out of petrol the thing that you thought would never happen or would happen? Is I... that was that did that seem like the most ridiculous part of the future, or was it cars driving around with spikes and chains? No, I definitely and... feel the way that they were all dressed like. Well, I was going to say dressed like the Road Warriors tag team, but more like the Road Warriors tag team was dressed like them. But <laughs> but no, I I definitely feel that like that always seemed quite far fetched that they'd be doing all that. But having said that, now that we've come to this year and kind of seeing how close we are, it was always like wow. We're closer to the whole runs out of petrol thing than I thought, because I read somewhere that George Miller and Byron Kennedy were inspired. One of the th- or one of the things I should say that inspired them was there was an oil crisis in this, or one of the oil crisis in the 70s. I think it must have been after the Iranian Revolution. And they saw on the news that Australians, quite like the Brits are doing now, they were queuing up at the petrol stations and they were getting in fistfights over the last remaining scraps of petrol yeah. in the country. And he was like, oh my gosh, these people are willing to kill each other for to stay mobile. He's like, we could make a film out of this. And that's kind of what happened. And then knowing this, like seeing these films, being such a huge fan and knowing the backs, the real life backstory that inspired it. And then seeing when it happened here now, just this very year. And I was like, nothing has changed. Like this, this, this didn't come to pass, but like it could very like I still feel that that is one of the more realistic kind of apocalyptic films it's like yeah this could totally happen I mean maybe not with like I said maybe not with all the mohawks and assless chaps <laughs> and all that 
and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, I it mean, depends I, on where you hang out, doesn't it? Maybe it does. I mean, maybe certain parts of Soho, they're like they're just praying for that. I don't, I, I can't vouch for that. But um, I do know a couple of friends that are probably praying for that sort of thing to happen. But um, no, I, I always, whenever there's a crisis, um, I always joke with my friends. It's like, no, I got all the guzzoline in my tank. I'm getting ready to. But do, do you Die think, eternal on the Fury Road. Do you think the missing prediction wasn't so much that, about running out of gas, but running out of gas without an alternative solution? Because that's the difference now. That's the total we, thing. And this is it with all the electric cars. And like, mm-hmm. this has proved it because when all these queues are happening, all the electric cars and even the hybrid drivers, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're laughing. Like we can still get around. Like so long as the electricity is coming and we can obviously now we're getting electricity from the last thing I saw was I think about half a dozen different sources. We're getting it because we don't, we don't use coal anymore. So we're getting it from tidal wind, natural gas. Uh, I don't think we're using, well, this is England. So we're not using solar, but like we're now diversifying it. So hopefully we're um, if we, cause the digital, not the digital switch over uh, the, the electric car switch over is happening here in England, it's supposed to be 2030. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed back, though. But um, I think they just did that so that if it does get pushed back, we still meet Europe's deadline. But, um, but, but I generally think it's too little too late. Like, if we were to run out of all um, gasoline and gas, um, if we were to have, like, the kind of problems that we've been having this year, if that, that was to go on for, like, a couple of months, um, I think our British civilization will probably collapse in on itself because even though we're, we're move, you know, a lot of cars have moved over to electrical power. I don't think, you know, even if every, every driver converted to that, I don't think that as a country, we are as self-sufficient. Um, no, if we, this had happened like after the war are. or something, we probably could have done it because we just spent prior to that we just spent six years being self-sufficient. But I think now our population is so large that trying to be self-sufficient on our own now, and not only that, but civilization has advanced so much. With like every country, like every like advanced country out there, is so dependent on every other country for parts. Like like say for example, you need a dongle for your MacBook. It's like well, parts in the dongle come from Africa and South America and it's assembled in China and it's like what are we going to make are we going to make a HDMI to USB-C dongle here in England like I don't think we even have the factories for it isn't one of the elements that goes in a lot of kind of microchips and um, phones and a lot of a lot of different um, technology that we we use uh, en masse is ridiculously um, in short supply. Well, this is what led to the um, semiconductor supply problem because at the moment, um, we're, this is another problem, yet another problem we're having here at the moment, which is the semiconductor shortage created a shortage of new cars, which means secondhand car prices are going through the roof, which is great for guys like me who have a secondhand car they're thinking about selling and might even be able to sell for more than they paid for it. But um, for most people, this is bad news. And so... It's not just car. I mean, cars are just one thing that, that's kind of affected me personally. So that's something why I noticed it. But it's just in general, like I think the semi, the fact that someone else also pointed out that um, the so many people were buying laptops because they needed laptops for their children for for the lockdown, for working from home and doing school from home. 
and it, it just kind of ramped up. So this massive increase in demand with a reduction in supply because of the supply chains, like, and not just that, but also the the workers not being able to go to work. So there's less output full stop across the board meant that there's all these shortages of the semiconductors. And so it kind just- of this, the whole pandemic, uh, the, the combination of the pandemic and Brexit is kind of really expose the vulnerabilities that we like we've built up these like luxury lives for ourselves with smartphones and laptops and instant communication and like any kind of food you could ever want all year round but now it's like okay you do realize how quickly we could lose all that which is one of the things that rewatching the mad max films it's like yeah we're we're this is like we we don't like to think this is around the corner but this could very easily within a couple of months like we don't want to think about it, and people would poo-poo the notion if you pointed out. But you realise, no, it only takes a couple of months for that to happen. Mm. Yeah, it's closer so, than we think. Just, just to sort of um, fill in what you were saying there, Dan, the the thing that we're that we're very dependent on right now is neodymium magnets, and they're they're a rare earth element. They're very powerful. They're used in a lot of things, but I mm. do believe the majority of supply is in China. And the Chinese kind of control the market for that. And it is a limited resource. But the other thing, the other resource that is more problematic, funnily enough, than oil, and it, it um, for us running out of is rubber. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, running out of That's rubber. That's Lego's be, fault. <laughs> running out of rubber would be far more disastrous to us than running out of uh, oil in the short term. Because if, if, you, if, our, if our rubber supply ended, you know, you literally would not be able to have tires like modern synthetic rubbers don't cut it especially for aircraft so you can forget about landing aircraft you can forget about driving cars you can there's so much stuff that's dependent on rubber and natural rubber now luckily it's something we can grow do you know what i mean so it is theoretically sustainable um but it's a bit of a problem if say the rubber supply got hit by you know some kind of disease and all rubber plants died well, I do know that Lego, I read somewhere, is the largest purchaser of rubber for the, in the entire world. So surely if really? you said, Lego, you're not allowed to have rubber for your little toy cars anymore, hopefully that would alleviate somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so is there anything else in the Mad Max films, aside from the lack of petrol and the pro wrestling gear, that <laughs> oh, is yeah, yeah. sort of I- ominous of the future that did or did not happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Sorry, sorry to cut in. I, I was just gonna. I was just thinking about this. That ultimately, I, I think the second and third films and Fury Road, if you count that as the fourth, um, it, essentially, uh, civilization breaks down to the point that 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 kind of tribalism, cannibalism, survivalism across the board is something that obviously we, we've not really seen yet in our society, but you feel like as soon as as soon as we we end up getting low on resource and, and then countries start to fight over what little resource there is left, because I think if, if we don't stay ahead of global warming, we're, we're all just going to end up going to war uh, for the right to have you know what little resources there are left on the planet so so once that that starts to happen and governments and society breaks down then you kind of get what i guess a lot of you, you see in the mad max films which is 
you know, tri- tribes of the, the fittest and strongest killing the weak uh, and ruling over, you know, territory and roads. Um, so that's probably the bit that we, <laughs> we're not at yet, <laughs> thank God, <laughs> but I uh, don't know. The other thing that's um, interesting that people have been saying for a while, and I feel like it's almost frighteningly falling on deaf ears, was deaf ears, I should say, um, was in the fourth one, the water. They're like, oh, what if we lost Mm. every ounce of Mm. every drop of water in the world? And a couple of people have been saying, I remember for at least 15 years now, they've been like, water is going to be the resource of the future that everyone fights over. Because they're like already in third world countries and kind of like the poorest neighborhoods of places like India and Indonesia, there's no fresh water. And then places, obviously places like Africa with all the famines and things in sub-Saharan Africa, where um, resources aren't as evenly distributed. It's like this, we're already seeing this and it's only kind of, it's only a matter of time before the industrialized or the more industrialized nations, I should say, because everyone's kind of industrialized now, but the more industrialized nations get hit by this too. And we're seeing it like uh, in Florida, Lake Okeechobee, we get, South Florida gets its water from Lake Okeechobee. And even when I was living there like 20 years ago, Lake Okeechobee, they're like, this is at record low levels. And I, I heard somewhere that the like Los Angeles, that's another large urban area there. I think they were struggling with it. There was Los Angeles or Las Vegas. They were like, we're struggling with water as well. Like it's dangerously low. And other places, I think somewhere else in the American Midwest is having problems. So it could be, and it's going to be one of these things where one side of the world's going to be flooded. Like basically it'll yeah. be like Italy is flooded yeah, and all the cities are getting washed away. And then it'll be like Southern California's in a drought. Yeah. And that's probably what's going to happen. So. Well, well, when you think about it, how ridiculous is it that an entire city, in, in if you look in the case of Dubai, they, they built an enormous city in the middle of the desert. And same with Vegas. I mean, that is basically, you know, an enormous city that they built in the desert. And it's just like, it's incredible that the... The, the logic behind that, the luck, the luxury of it, because all these places are built for, you know, billionaires. It's, it's luxury <laughs> lifestyle. It's gambling. It's, it's all the most ridiculous excesses of modern society. And, and yet, if you look at most apocalyptic films, uh, these are the, these are the sort of uh, places that, that tend to, fall apart quite quickly yeah it's definitely is it's one of those things where if we're not it it's it's almost like a warning that those films are almost like a warning it's like if you don't get your act together something like this is going to happen it's it's definitely like as, as interesting as something like Dawn of the Dead is. I'm pretty sure that Mad Max Two is slightly <laughs> slightly more pro- prophetic. I should say. Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to make this whole podcast about zombies, but I I keep waiting <laughs> for you know for the, the the moment where they announce COVID has horribly mutated and everyone's turned into zombies. It kind of feels like there's a part of me. I don't, I don't wish that to happen, obviously, but it just feels like every every apocalyptic uh, kind of zombie-based film I've ever seen, it always starts with uh, a fairly normal kind of flu pandemic. And then, and, and then like, like 12 Monkeys is a good example. Um, I think that 
that what hit humanity there was something fairly normal and then it it mutated into something deadly and pretty much wiped out most of humanity but but yeah let, let's um let's not dwell on that um <laughs> <laughs> um dennis going over yes. to you and your film choice so i chose out of the vast list that was available to us i nearly went with transformers the cartoon Ooh, and because nice. i believe that was set in 2005 but my, my choice was actually the running man and the running man has a lot to unpack i tell you you could do a whole podcast about it. We won't. We'll just take you through the highlights. But what I want to do is I'm just going to read you the, the actual introduction that scrolls by, right, when you start the film. Um, and it goes like this. By 2017, the world economy has collapsed. Food, natural resources, and oil are in short supply. A police state divided into paramilitary zones rules with an iron hand. Television is controlled by the state and a sadistic game show called The Running Man, has become the most popular program in history. All art, music, and communications are censored. No dissent is tolerated, and yet a small resistance movement has managed to survive underground. When high-tech gladiators are not enough to suppress the people's yearning for freedom, more direct methods become necessary. Now, it, taken in that just that bit, you think, well, we, haven't, we don't live in that world, Right. But <laughs> when you look at the film as a whole, there are many, many things about it which are truly fascinating. So first of all, I'm just going to say that I did a lot of research and I actually found this great article online on Screen Crush by someone called Matt Singer. I feel like I need to credit him because even though he probably doesn't listen to our podcast, because I did use that as a basis for a lot of my research because he'd already done it for me, basically. So he made a list of all of the predictions that were in The Running Man that whether they came true or not. And I sort of looked at each one and sort of added to it and stuff. Now, there are 22 things in this list. I'm not going to go through all of them because some of them are quite minor. But I just want to focus on some of the major ones, starting with the things which didn't really come true, right? So I think the most obvious of the things that didn't really come true are the fact that political prisoners are controlled by explosive collars. Now, <laughs> that we know of, <laughs> that we know of. The truth is, this technology is available. There are a couple of, I don't know if you've seen like Evil Genius or whatever, there have been a couple of incidents where people have used explosive collars as like ransom tactics and stuff. Um, and there are shock collar systems that keep uh, pets at bay and stuff. So it's not unfeasible. That, that that couldn't happen, but it's I can not definitely into... vouch. Early nineties, my friend had one of those invisible electric fences for his dogs. So right. this was early nineties. They had that technology, so they were on the they were on the ball then for their, <laughs> their right. post apocalyptic. And so there's that. And the other major thing that didn't really come true is that they have net guns. Like so, the police yeah. can just fire a gun and they get tied up in a net. It's possible that there's some variation of this somewhere in the US military, but generally the police aren't running around with those. Now that that's basically all of the things that didn't come that didn't come true. A couple of others that they didn't really pin down well with technology is that in the film you see people using corded telephones, like good old you know with uh, with dials and stuff and cassette tapes. So way out on that, right? Now. Wow. With the things which are you know, as arguable as to whether they came true or not, you've got the fact that the world is hell. I mean, now, the truth is, 
that's like dependent on where you live. The world is kind of hell, you know? Um, but then there's more obvious things like there's a moment where somebody flies on a jetpack and jetpacks are the favorite things about the futures that didn't come true, right? Yeah. But we do have jetpacks. They are real. They just only last for about 20 seconds. So it's not like they don't exist. They're just not a viable form of transportation. To, to be fair, to be fair, there's a few inventors who have who have uh, introduced quite recently some some actual properly working jetpacks, which last a lot longer than that. Yes, I, that's I, right. And there's um, something called um, the jetpack wingsuit. If you do a YouTube search for that, right, and uh, that could well actually be what's in the movie because what's in the movie? It's one of the um, stalkers, Fireball, wears it. Yeah. So you could feasibly do it in that uh, in that uh, situation. Um, and for anyone who hasn't seen beyond what I just described about the film, like I said, the Running Man is all based around the game show where criminals and stuff are put into a game show and they have to survive. Um, and it's it's about all about media manipulation. Um, one of the things that happens in the film is there's a small moment where some some of the uh, characters are getting Coke from a, getting a drink from a vending machine and they're $6 a can. Um, <laughs> now in 2019, that wasn't the price of soft drinks, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I could believe it another, give it, give it, give it another 10 years and maybe. Oh, a pint is definitely that price. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so then we get into the area of things which are like, hmm, well, maybe. So one of the things is uh, he, um, Ben Richards, the character played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is injected with a barium tracer so he can be tracked through the game zone. And at first you think, well, that's not really real. But I, I found out just yesterday that in Australia right now, in order to combat COVID, when you arrive, like, so they've just opened up Sydney for arrivals because Australia's been closed for quite for a bit. Uh, everybody gets a tracer on their phone, apparently. Oh, wow. So everybody's phones are tracked. I mean, now we know that you can track phones anyway. But then yeah. when you think about track and trace and stuff, and you think, all right, we don't have to inject you with a radioactive isotope, but, you know, tracking is, is a very real thing. So that's not as far-fetched as it first sounds that it would be very easy to attach a tracker to someone and follow them wherever they want. And Apple just released the ear tags, which is effectively a tracking system that anyone can use. So you can commercially go, you spend $100, you get, what, five ear tags, and you can track anything. And that's not science fiction at all. Um, another thing which is sort of you can have a discussion about is uh, game show, in, in this, the game show host, Killian, He's like a super celebrity and he's nearly a political figure, you know, oh. and he's, you know, a, a rock star. And when you look at celebrities, show hosts now, that is very, very much the case where celebrity show hosts have become almost political. If you take someone like John Stewart or someone like that on The Daily Show um, or, yeah. you know, I mean, you can just think of so many hosts and celebrities. Oprah. Who, How powerful yeah, Oprah. is she? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oprah is a great example of that. So that's, um, and I think, I feel like, and this is important where the running man's concerned. It's the whole film needs to be taken in the context of the USA. It's a film about the future of the USA, not really the world. But um, I think that's actually quite, that's quite accurate there. Um, so then moving on to the things which probably did come true, 
right? So the first and most obvious one is there are big public flat screen TV showing crap everywhere, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which in when the film came out, the only place you really saw that at the time was Times Square. Like they had the Jumbotron in Times Square and that was it, right? Because I think the film came out in like 1987, right? But now, especially in Asia and a lot of parts of North America, I don't know what it's like in the UK, you can't go anywhere. I'm like, we don't really even on train station platforms have printed posters anymore. They're just screens, which can be set to show whatever they want, you know? Um, So that's definitely a prediction which came true or depiction of the future, which came to true. Another one is that the most popular TV show in America is a competition game show. I mean, well, how accurate is that? Well, America's Got Talent, Dancing with the Stars, um, The Masked Singer, all of these things. Same in the UK. Reality yeah. TV Love has become Island. the most popular yeah. thing. Love Island, exactly, um, has become the most popular thing on television. Which So that was a fairly good call. Um, another very subtle sort of depiction of the future, which is correct. And this is an interesting one, is that one thing that stands out about The Running Man is that everybody's wearing normal clothes. Now, back in the 80s, whenever you saw like sci-fi, people would be like in jumpsuit suits or wearing shoulder pads or Like Back to armor. the Future too. everyone has like self-drying clothes. Exactly. Yeah. But, but in the 2019 of The Running Man, people are just dressed like the 80s. That's the only bit they got wrong was the style. But there's no special fashion going on, right? And in addition to that, when he, and this was, I think, possibly the first movie where I really noticed it, when he goes down into the game show and he puts on, he's wearing this bright reflective yellow jumpsuit with an Adidas logo on it. And that was one of the things that was noticed at the time. It's like, look, haha, in the future, sports companies will sponsor things like this. And it seemed a bit far-fetched at the time, but not anymore. You just have to look at any TV, any sport on TV, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, soccer, if you want to call it that, whatever. Um, even like uh, boxing, wrestling, like boxers, some like UFC fighters have like body, not they're not tattoos, but I've seen stuff sprayed onto their backs in like body paint and stuff. And like you have that whole stuff on football fields where, you know, you have adverts on the center of the field, which are actually done in perspective to where the cameras are, which is bizarre. Um, And that I don't think we could have really imagined in in the 80s. So that was quite accurate. Uh, What else I've got? The list goes on. When he goes back to his house at the beginning of the film uh, and the woman who lives there walks in and she she goes, toast, uh, coffee, television, turn on this, turn on that. And she speaks to her house. Right, and that is a hundred percent on on the money, Alexa. Oh, yeah, with Alexa and all that, yeah, absolutely. And I've got some of that set up here in my home. I can t- I can turn the lights on, I can turn the TV off, I can turn on the air conditioning, I can start the vacuum cleaner, all sorts of stuff just by saying it. Um, and I didn't set out to set it up this way. It's just that every new thing that you buy has that capability. So I'm like, well, why not? So and it, and it, and it worked. So that's that was a, a quite a very good prediction of the future. Um, he also books a plane ticket from his home when he's trying to flee. This is something I saw in the Tomorrow People in the early nineties, where he goes on a computer to books a, and books a ticket 
for his he and his friend to fly to America, and it was like, wow, that's crazy. That must be so cool to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and this was in 1987, so that was definitely you know pretty much pre-internet. Um, so that was quite quite accurate. And the other interesting thing is when he actually goes to the airport, it's long lines, scanners, ID checks everyone being searched. It's a nightmare, security everywhere, which at the time wasn't the case when you flew. It was very like calm and relaxed and stuff. So at the time, that that level of heightened security for flying was seemed ridiculous. And of course, now we're taking off our shoes to go through scanners. We have body scanners. We have, it, it's ridiculous. So that's basically super accurate. Doesn't the, the Running Man, and if I've got this mixed with another film, apologies, but isn't the Running Man... The, the first example where he goes through a scanner and the scanner shows the skeleton, or is that not The Running Man? I think that's a different film. Um, I Ah, now you've got me here. I think it is The Running Man. It's either that or a Sixth Day. I think it is The Running Man. No, it wasn't. No, six, like, six no, 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 no. It's um, to- Total Recall. That's what I was thinking. It was this or Total, Total Recall. Recall. I am thinking yeah. Total Recall because yeah. I actually believe it or not, I, I, I've I've watched the remake um, with Colin Farrell last night because I, right. I put it off for a long time. But even though that doesn't have that bit in it, but yeah, T- Total Recall was the first one where they have um, yeah skeletal body scanners, which we now have, although it doesn't show. You know, you, you don't have live skeletal imagery that, that maps right. movement, but they do still scan your entire body. Yeah. Uh, so that was a quite an ominous prediction. Yeah. So a couple of other things which have become very real in the last couple of years, um, the author of the thing I was looking at called it was listed fake news and deep fakes. Now, deep fakes, because like in the film, they try to change what the world sees by projecting... Arnold Schwarzenegger's face, you know, onto a different actor to to effectively create a false news story. And with deep fakes, that's a hundred percent possible right now. Um, and the fake news talking about you know manipulating the news feed um, for to to control the populace. Well, you know, Donald Trump threw it out there, but given that most people um, treat Facebook and Twitter as a news source these days. Mm then fake news is a real thing, unfortunately, because, you know, every, it, I think it's more accurate to call it an echo chamber, but people basically hear the news that they want to hear and struggle to differentiate between what's real and what's not. So that's fairly accurate as well. Um, but the, the two that I say for the end, which I think are really good, um, are to do with television itself, right? So, um, in the future depicted by The Running Man, TV is dominated by revivals of classic TV shows. Now, in the film, they show things like the hate boat instead of the love boat um, and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. But if you think about – until I, until I looked at this part of it, I didn't really think about it. Revival of classic TV shows, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire off a list that I was making just before we started recording. Fantasy Island, The Equalizer, Sex in the City, Roseanne, MacGyver, Full House, 90210, Heroes, V, Dynasty, Roswell, 24, Lost in Space, Charmed, Sabrina, Battlestar Galactica, Hawaii Five-O, all remakes in the last few years. Some of these shows aren't even that old. 
They remade yeah. V? Yeah, V was oh. redone about... I actually watched it when I was in Japan, so about 10 years ago. Oh. So it's not bad, actually, the remake of V. <laughs> the problem is, the problem with the remake of V is that we all know what the backstory yeah. is, so the surprise is gone, right? But, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's really an interesting good. thing. Another thing they show in it is that there's a particular show which that everyone's hooked on, and it's called Climbing for Dollars. <laughs> yeah, right? with the dogs. Yeah. But think about American Ninja. Yeah. And you, you're pretty much in the same place, right? So all over, I would say that the running man, I didn't say it predicted the future. It, de- it depicted the future quite well, to be honest, in the, in the background. So I think it's quite a, and it's not until you really look into it. It's, it's the less obvious things, which are, which are quite on the money. One of what the things, think? one of the things that creeped me out about running man. And it's something that I still think about when, I see like when things like um, Love Island get popular is we're talking about the future and like all the things that these films had got right. But one of the things with the running man is it's part of it. I don't know if this was done intentionally or it might've been done subconsciously just because of the age of, I think Stephen King wrote it. Oh yes, he did. It was uh, as as Richard Bachman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of quasi based on, not based, I shouldn't say, but the Running Man premise thing was, seems to me to be based on, I don't know if you've read the book or seen the film of They Shoot Horses, Don't They, which itself was based on the story was fake, but the the premise was real. And it was about, I won't go over the story because it's not really, I don't think the story is necessarily accurate, but the premise was during the great depression in America, where it was like, everyone was out of work. Everything was in the toilet. The economy was tanked. No one knew if everyone was getting out. They used to have dance marathons where people would just dance until they collapsed. And people like local people would like sponsor you. It's like, Oh, you're dancing in the marathon. We'll sponsor you. And these people were like dancing to death. And that's kind of what, the film and the book is about these people dancing to death and it's like what happens if you go all this way and you dance for like two days straight non-stop and you don't make it you don't win you don't get the money at the end and it's a kind of this idea that like that was entertainment for the local people like oh we'll watch the dance mat and these people are like kind of not all the time obviously but like killing themselves for your entertainment and that's kind of one of the things about like running man it's like look watch these people die for your entertainment and it's it's definitely something that whenever i see a reality show now i'm like how far away are we from stuff like running man because we've clearly we were pretty close in the 30s we were closer than we'd like to admit i mean hopefully closer than we are now but it's still something i was like man this was especially it? especially with like, I don't know if it's it's probably not publicized in other countries because I don't think anyone watches Love Island but us but there's been several suicides because of Love Island because people who are, have been on the show even the host killed herself and there's been several people that were on the show that came out and were bullied so bad by social media they killed themselves and the fact that there have been I think it's like three or four suicides linked to this show it's kind of people are now saying like, okay, well, at what point are we going to put our foot down and say, no, this we're is not, not have this. This is not entertainment. This is people's lives. These are people's lives and you cannot 
do this. But then it's like it's getting record rate. Well, I don't think it is anymore. I think ratings are dropping off. But still, millions of people are tuning in. So for their entertainment. So yeah, when when we talk about like the Running Man, that's always something in the back of my mind. Whenever I see a reality show, is the Running Man? I'm like, how far away are we from the Running Man? Yeah, and <laughs> I'd say very, very close. Yeah, to be it's. I mean, yeah, it's scary. Short of actually murdering people on television, <laughs> is, but, then, uh, but, but, but is... what about that show that was on Channel Four a little while ago called Release the Hounds, which was, uh, um, <laughs> which was a brilliant premise. It's, it's worth watching the first episode, the first ten minutes of the first episode, just to see the contestants shit themselves. But, um, but Dennis, I was going to say, you, you more than anyone, because you live, lived over there for a considerable amount of time, would have, have seen the really sadistic and sexualized and damn right strange Japanese um, kind of extreme reality TV shows where it's, it's, they literally they torture the contestants. Yeah. Yeah, what's do you know what I was actually watching the other night a YouTube cl- collection of most ridiculous Japanese prank shows, pranks, and some of them are just so evil, like, and they're just done on unsuspecting members of the public, uh, <laughs> who then told they're on TV, and then they're all like, oh ha ha ha, it's like it's culturally it's accepted that someone could jump out at you and chase you with a knife as if they're going to murder you. And and then it turns out it's just a Jeremy prank. Beadle from Hell. Yeah, I mean well, was, some of these ones that were one, bad. There was that one. Um, I, I think we might have mentioned it on a previous podcast, but it's a karaoke show, and obviously you know the Japanese love karaoke. Who um, doesn't? Well, exactly. The, they, they gave it to the rest of the world. The rest of the world loves it. But there was one where um, men, male karaoke uh, contestants, had to sing. Whilst being fellated, I don't know if it was by a man or a woman, presumably mostly by by a woman in front of them at, off camera, so you couldn't see that. But the whole idea was they had to sing the song and get through the entire song whilst being sucked off. Um, and yeah, and that was a thing. Did you see this on Pornhub, Dan? <laughs> are we getting a glimpse into I don't Dan's think this is choices. on national TV in Japan I've got to be honest May, I, I don't know but there were, there were quite a few uh, western articles about it where they they talked, they, they showed because um, you don't see anything you don't, it, it's not that X-rated, it's just you, you they tell you what's happening, there, there's clips of it I'll, I'll try and see if I can dig out an article but yeah, I, I don't know if that's the actual norm on on Japanese TV, I doubt it. But yeah, that that was one of the. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are normally hit guys on a grease, you know, and and women on a greasy rope, um, you know, trying to trying to trying to <laughs> trying to get to something. I mean, even things like Takeshi's Castle and um, Wipeout, and lo- loads of diff- there's, there's loads of different shows where there's people running some kind of ridiculous assault course, and throughout that assault course, they're being knocked into mud, they're being thrown off things, they're being punched in the face by giant boxing gloves, they're bouncing off uh, spring platforms, and, 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 you know, genuinely kind of hurting themselves for our, for our entertainment even if you know they haven't got to the point where they're almost dying. And in fact, this time last week, 
I switched on. Um, I don't even know what it was. I think it, might, it could have been channel, channel. I think it was channel four. It could have been channel five. I think it was channel four because I was quite surprised. There, there, there was an entire reality TV show where three couples were dropped somewhere in the middle of the countryside, naked, and had to get across the entire country with no money and no clothes to win a, 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 a month price. <laughs> and it was just like... Are you sure you're not mistaking Pornhub for... <laughs> this was on national television in this country. And I, I generally... Because there, there's a show over here, which I don't know if you get in America or Canada, called Naked Attraction, where basically it's like <laughs> blind date, but people choose choose their date. Yeah, I've heard of like, that. Based on yeah, the their genitals or whatever, and <laughs> this I felt like whoever created that they created this because again it's, it's like three couples completely in the buff. So for the first twenty minutes, it's them wandering around the countryside in the nip, and then they they do kind <laughs> of find clothes and and. Things, but it, it, it's so ridiculous. It's like, how is this entertainment? I mean, I, I, I did kind of watch it in the background because I just couldn't believe that it was a thing, but it, it was. So, if we could just bring this back to being a family show, <laughs> um, I think that was my sort of coverage of The Running Man. Dan, what was your film? So, uh, I mean, maybe I won't dwell on this one too much because it feels like with with the Running Man, uh, that was uh, was was Running Man Paul Verhoeven, or have I got that wrong? No, no that was... Running Man was Paul Michael Glazer. Ah, Paul okay. Verhoeven was um, Total Recall. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and RoboCop, which is yeah. what I was going to come to next, because it feels like the only reason I said that is because I feel like. With, there was a, there was a series of bad future films in the eighties um, and early nineties that were all very much of a similar theme. I think Running Man was one. Um, obviously, Robocop, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about in a little, little bit, um, was another one. Then there was kind of Mad Max. Um, trying to think, Minority Report. Yeah, th- there's there's been a lot of. Um, directors and writers who are, who are obsessed with this really dark vision of, of the future and i think watching watching robocop i i must have been about 12 or 13 when i watched that and it, it it's hyper violent to the point of parody but but just to kind of kind of dip into the the, the plot line a little bit um Again, it's very similar to The Running Man and Mad Max, as in kind of normal, standard civilization has broken down. Uh, the, the, the kind of social structure is no more. Um, everything, everything has descended into um, crime. So it's almost, it almost it feels like you've got the people and then you've got this complete breakdown in, in kind of normal civilized culture and the, the police are completely underfunded and falling apart. And 
you've then got this enormous corporation called OCP who essentially that they're really only interested in turning Detroit city that they, they basically want to rip out Detroit city, get rid of all the poor, get rid of all the people that, that are living there who aren't providing them with any money and basically turning into Dubai uh, <laughs> essentially for the rich. So they want, they want to tear down the city, but um, at, at the point of where the, the show starts, they're, they're essentially running the police. So if you, if you look at this again, I, I don't know, Dennis, you might feel, and, and Rich actually from an American Canadian points of view, I don't know how that kind of filters in over, the, over there, but here, um, uh, the Tory governments, including this one, but of, of yesteryear, even Labour, to be fair, uh, have been obsessed with privatisation of what you would call normally nationalised industries, such as hospitals, prisons, police, um, obviously I've mentioned the NHS, the military. So I think Robocop was a really good, you know, it, I mean, it's a parody, but it, it, it took the notion of, you know, a completely self-serving commercial company almost running society at the top. So so rather than there being a government, that I think they still had a corrupt mayor in it. So you, you still had part of the, the city had had some semblance of um, control. But but really, this, this enormous conglomerate, the, one of the biggest companies in the world, was essentially running the police, running the city. And for want of a better word, um, yeah, trying to, you know, kill and force out all the poor people so that it could become a, a, a rich metropolis. And... It's kind of weird because I don't know. I think I think the the idea behind RoboCop is that they they kind of fund someone or something that can essentially take control with the idea that this this um, mechanized cyborg can not only um, kill all the various kind of criminal factions and you know and clean up the city but the only reason they want him to do that is so that they can then force out the rest of the people so from what you know when when the film starts you you kind of think okay they they're doing this for to to help people uh, and to bring law and order and kind of civilization back to a city which is obviously kind of fallen by the wayside it it's the it's almost like the complete opposite they they want something very different but but ultimately look looking at it from a, a kind of privatization and the, the the level of kind of control and and power companies have you know you've only got to look at Apple, you only got to look at um, Microsoft um, and numerous other companies that have way too much power to see that that side of things is entirely believable. Like if 
if a company like Facebook, who, who are already manipulating what we see, what we believe, what informs us, what informs our political uh, persuasion and, and all kinds of things um, that they really shouldn't have control of. So I think from that perspective, that's very much kind of hyper-tuned into something that has happened. The bit that um, I don't know that we've really seen, um, I mean, most of the technology in in terms of cars and weapons and most of the the kind of the the TV shows and and, and the things that are depicted throughout Robocop 1, 2, and 3, maybe the, the remake is supposed to be, I think the remake is supposed to be 2025, whereas the original, I think, was supposed to be depicting... 10 years in the future, which would have been 96. But most of the things, you know, kind of have happened, but we've not got to the point where we can completely, you know, rip a human brain and spine, spinal column out of someone and put them in a machine and then have them control that machine and essentially that, that kind of AI relationship, that cyborg, cybergenetic, I don't know I don't know what the correct terms, you guys can probably um, correct me on that. But we've not got there. We, we, we've done, I think there's been huge, huge um, leap forwards in that sort of technology where you can, you know, people can essentially uh, rewire a human hand or arm, um, as well as their eye, I think ears that there are that there's definite things that have been done on that technological front between science and medical science, but yeah, we we've not got to the point where um, we could create RoboCop. We certainly couldn't create Ed two hundred nine, which is the essentially the the AI kind of bad guy. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I, do you think we're can- gonna- we're not Can far I just off. Dive in there and say I think we could create Ed two hundred nine. Just look at the Boston yeah. Dynamics stuff. Stick a gun on, on that on so that spot dog. That dog um, and the fact that so many people, myself included, when they when they first released the video footage of that dog and they would kick it to show that it could regain its balance. Yeah. And yeah. so many so many of us were like, stop kicking that dog. Yeah. And they're just like, it's a robot. It doesn't have feelings. And it's like, no, it doesn't. we have like human beings have like this built in empathy for something. And it just looked so real that you're instantly like, stop hitting that think, dog. And it's like, it's not a real dog. <laughs> but the problem is it doesn't have feelings, but it does probably have some kind of memory and it might have feelings later and look back and see that as being yeah. a good reason to annihilate humans. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that Robocop, I'm not sure about the other movies, but Robocop was made at a time where urban crime was seen as a real problem in big cities in America. And that's really what the film's addressing in a way. And I don't think that's sort of become as true as everybody thought it was. Like urban crime is not the crazy out of control. It didn't go on the trajectory that the film predicted. It isn't the case where in New York it's not safe to walk the streets at night. Yeah, you know, but but in the late eighties, early nineties, it did seem that that's where we were heading. So I think that is something that wasn't really predicted very well. The other thing about RoboCop, and I think the same is true of the Running Man and even Mad Max, is that all of the films from the area predicted era predicted a future where it would be the weak dominating the 
the sorry the strong dominating the weak or the rich versus the poor and what we've ended up in is a world where it's the left versus the right that's a really good point wow yeah no that is i didn't even think of it like that because what you're saying is uh, like right i do remember just as a child like the first time i went to new york uh, in the 90s i was actually scared because i was grown up seeing even just children's things like ninja turtles and like all these films i was just like oh my god like sort of what was the charles Bronx death wish and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. i was like yeah. n- like new and fi- even video games final fight and stuff like that i was like new york is just like this gigantic <laughs> urban no, escape from real life yeah, yeah. Like escape from new york hellscape and then when i went i was like oh this isn't like that at all and yeah. then obviously people have lived there told me it's like no back then it was exactly what you're describing yeah. but Giuliani I went there kind of 90 Christmas 96 so it was kind of post Giuliani cleanup but no it was you're 100% right that they really were kind of projecting that well if we stay on this trajectory this is what it's going to be like it's going to be this kind of yeah like the gangs have taken over everywhere Mm -hmm. like Brock Lesnar types are just like coming around our house beating the crap out of us and it's almost uh, clockwork orange it's kind of like that was the prototype for all of the later films saying this is what happens when the gangs will rule. And I mean, touch wood, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, we had the, the riots several years ago in London, which I guess was the closest we've come here in England. They weren't good riots though, were they? I mean, it was really just a bunch of well, teens and kids it, being it, daft. It wasn't the Rodney King riots. <laughs> no, or, or the Notting Hill riots or anything, like, <laughs> or the poll tax riots even. They weren't, you know, there was no deep motivation to actually turn over the state. No, but it is yeah. it is a hundred percent what you said that the world now really does feel like I think the left versus the right, and I feel like social media is fueling that because everyone's yeah. going on saying I don't care what people think, and then it's like, well, you're on social media, so obviously you do to a certain extent, but basically mm-hmm. people are just using that punk rock phrase to insult people, and then it's like, oh, and, but they're insulting me back now, and it's like, yes, they're insulting you back because you insulted them. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's interesting, isn't it, that probably these days the, the sci-fi now that we have is either looking very far into the future, even if it's based on a classic like Foundation or something, or you've got stuff like Black Mirror, which is a far more chilling view of the near future. Oh, I can't than, watch Black Mirror. <laughs> I know, it's because it's, a lot of it is already here, effectively. Um, I mean, I think with Robocop, you're right about the big corporations, Dan. Um, I think there was a fear of like megacorps taking over, but it still doesn't quite feel like Facebook, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon. Amazon is probably the closest to what you've got in, in that, where you could imagine Amazon being the company in, uh, in Robocop more than I could imagine Google or Apple. Like taking over a town, like they're going to buy a town somewhere and take it over. Yeah. We've become so dependent. But first of all, they've, you know, they've totally boxed out all the competition and then we become completely dependent on their services. And who uh, has done that? Disney. Disney (laughs) has a town in Orlando called Celebration and they run the town. It is a town they built and I, they have, I don't think it really worked. I don't know if it worked very well. I, I lived in central Florida for four years. I never went, I never knew anyone that did go. Um, but the, I think they, the, they followed it up where they've now kind of done it again, but on a much smaller scale where celebration was kind of a middle-class town. And that the thing, the town they've built now is more of a development of multi-million dollar houses. 
So maybe they were like, we don't want to have, to. I don't know if they administer it full time, but they definitely, if you Google celebration cent- central Florida, just it, yeah, it is. It's the town that Disney built. And I think that's the closest it like, I mean, I couldn't foresee Amazon or Google doing this, but I don't think Apple would because they're probably like, we don't want to have to handle all the But I think the difference would be is that sort of Disney openly, you know, stated their intentions when they did this. But what I see the difference being is Amazon would insidiously do it. Like there's that episode of South Park, I don't know, in a recent season, I think like season 18, where, you know, first of all, the Amazon warehouse comes to town and they brought Whole Foods and then they've got the Alexas everywhere and the Alexas are listening to everybody. And then Jess Bezos shows up in his floating hover chair and uh, <laughs> and they're controlling everybody. Do you know what I mean? And you watch that and you're like, it's South Park. So it's ridiculous. But you're like, they're, they're really not far off here, you know? So did you see Amazon announced the other day the Astra, the little oh, the robot that <laughs> no, the little the little robot Astro Astro. I think it's Astro, which is a little robot that will follow you around the house. It's got a little. It looks a bit like a cross between Short Circuit and Wally, and it will, yeah. uh, you know, watch you and do security things. And they've also got a little drone that can fly about. And it's like, well, we, really we talked about this on another another podcast, but um, Amazon, you know, Jeff has basically spent hundreds of billions on on buying every ai company that that there is practically and taking them under their wing to get you know the to get ahead in that field well, and, and google has done the same it's between the two of them you know ah. so they're both trying they're both doing it and um for that matter elon musk and company um I think, you know, because Elon Musk announced a walking, talking robot, but, you know, he announces a lot of things, but actually most of the stuff he's said he's going to do, he's done it in some form. Mm. So if Elon Musk says, well, we're going to produce a walking, talking house. Did you see the announcement a few weeks ago where they were like the Tesla bot? And he said really flippantly, uh, we've designed it so you'll be able to to overpower it and outrun it. <laughs> and he, he says that in his press release, and he kind of jokes it, but he's, and he's like, "You never know what could happen." <laughs> Is that why he was selling flamethrowers before, in case of the robot uprising? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Propane but, but flamethrowers. Don't you, but don't you think that, say, it would only take two of these companies, or even three, to join forces for one to buy the other two? That essentially. It would get to the point. I mean, it feels like Facebook and Twitter already, at, well, with Google as well, control information, control everything we consume, read, or understand, or believe. Mm-hmm. So it feels like if if Google um, and Facebook somehow, you know, formed a pact and one bought the other, mm-hmm. then it, it feels like they would have such a monopoly on, on information. And then if if the likes of Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple, uh, you know, formed a partnership or one bought out the other two, then you, you've basically got someone that controls all hardware and technology yeah. uh, with, you know, with um, Tesla as well. It, 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 is, it is frightening because I think competition in the West has every... Every five to ten years, it feels like less and less people are able to compete 
less and less companies are able to get any kind of foothold in the markets because, it, you know, I, I think in, in places like China, they, they already have that. They don't have many big companies. There are, there are a few that control everything. And we're starting to go that way in the West, which is frightening. This, because... the, this thing, interesting thing about that is um, if you look at, you say, the big powerful companies now, none of them existed 30 years ago. Google was created in the late 90s. Um, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg's my age. Facebook came out in the mid 2000s. Amazon was 94, I think. So yeah. if you think like basically the big companies in the world at the time, like, or at least in America, like Sears, Sears was Amazon before Amazon, and they're completely yeah. irrelevant. No, no disrespect to anyone. No, but you're right. Sears. The Sears they're catalog complete- was. Yeah, like everyone said, if Sears just digitized the Sears catalog and put it on a website, they would have strangled Amazon at birth and there's no way they could have competed. But they didn't. And apparently they, someone high up at Sears was like, the internet's a fad, don't worry yeah. about it. Amazon <laughs> capitalized on it and now he's the richest guy in the world. And like then you got Tesla. That's a, I think, why don't they have like the largest market capitalization of any automaker ever? And yeah. like they, they, they didn't exist 15 years ago. And so there are these new companies that come in, but then I feel like you say, they kind of take over. Like nowadays, I feel like so many people default. I, I have to admit, I'm guilty of this myself a lot. You default by Amazon because they have everything. And in my own personal experience, at least the customer service, the few times I have had a problem, they've been over and above. It's like Jennifer, my girlfriend said the other day, it's almost for them. Like if you've got a problem, they're like, screw it, just keep it. We'll refund you. It's cheaper for us just to refund you than to, go through the faff of you returning it and after having to process it. Yeah. And like, they're so rich and so powerful. That- well, didn't there were some headlines. Um, I can't remember when it was. It, it was during, I'm pretty sure it was during lockdown where um, the, so there was a leak. Uh, there was a lot of negative press about Amazon, about co- comp- I think it was maybe companies that use Amazon marketplace um, and use Amazon warehouses to sell their stock because no one was buying as much. Um, they essentially couldn't afford to keep the warehouse storage real estate that they were using. So a lot of companies were basically, uh, binning iPads and computers and other kind of electronic stock. It was just like basically going to landfill because, they couldn't afford to keep it there and, and keep it selling through through Amazon. And Amazon tried to deny this and say, no, 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 that's not the case. But there, were, there was a lot of leaks about it and a lot of um, bad press uh, basically saying that, yeah, during, during COVID, that, that's what happened. Mm. Yeah, so one, one of the things that's interesting about these the corporations is that the a- Apple money pile is so staggeringly big it's hard to envisage and they've actually got more money stacked up in the bank than the the next three highest combined they have 200 plus billion dollars in the bank like cash that's not investment that's liquid cash never mind everything else that's cash and the thing is about them is because they're a hardware company Still, they've got a lot of stock that they can liquidate if you liquidated facebook you wouldn't really be able to sell off stuff 
right? Yeah. But they've actually got iPads and watches and, and things that people want. So they're in a pretty solid place. But here's an interesting little fact that came out the other day, um, that of all of the gaming companies in the world, Apple, if you call, if you, if you look at that, what, how much money they make from games have more money than all the other gaming companies combined, including Sony and Microsoft. And Microsoft sell the Xbox and Sony sell the PlayStation. Wow. That's frightening. That's crazy, isn't it? And they're not even a gaming company. So they've got huge amounts of money sitting around. So it, you could argue that they're the most, if we go back to the whole sci-fi thing, you know, they're the, they're, they're the most likely to end up in the Robocop scenario as a company that rules the world. But I don't know. I still feel like it's probably more likely one of the others because they're mm. sort of, you know, who do you trust more out of all of them? I don't know. Do we trust <laughs> any of them? We shouldn't trust any of them. Google are the ones with the AI. Was it? Know, Someone the, said the other day that um, it was released in the press that through when the outage happened at Facebook, that through Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, Google as a corporation reaches 35% of the entire population of the planet. How much? 35? 35% of the entire planet. Wow. Wow. So it's crazy. I'm looking at this this graph. If you search for Apple money pile on Google Images, you'll find some great graphs. And if you list Apple as a company, right, Uh, as as a country, Right? It's actually got higher foreign reserves than France, Italy, the USA, United Kingdom, Malaysia. God. Like, like loads. It's, it's crazy. Well, we sold um, all our gold, so that doesn't... That doesn't yeah. Didn't we sell it at record? Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. Anyway, we, this, we, we said earlier this won't get into politics. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've got a quest, so I've got a question for you guys. So we spoke about the future that didn't happen. What about the future that happened sooner than we thought? Did any of you give consideration to that? Is there a film that you can think, because there's one I can think of, which I think is going to happen much faster than is anticipated in the actual movie. I don't know if you can... I uh, think uh, the Minority video. Report. That wasn't what I was thinking of, but that's interesting. I think Minority Report has got some very pre-crime. It, the idea of being able to predict what people do based on their behavior is actually, I think, possible computing by numbers. Cars driving up the side of walls, not so much yet. But, but all the touch technology... Mm-hmm. And the adverts being sent straight to you as you walk around, yeah. potentially, yeah. And every everything everything that's glass is a screen, and mm-hmm. then you can touch and manipulate that screen, and everything, yeah, retina scanners. I don't know when is Minority Report set. Oh, I don't know. Quick, Minority Report is set in. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, let's go to good old Wikipedia. 2054. Oh, wow. Crikey. That's ages away. Well, 30 years away. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) So the film I was thinking of, which is set, actually the film is set in in 2500. So it's still a good, nearly more than 400 years away, right? Is Idiocracy. (laughs) Ah, One of your favorites. It is because... It is scarily, like, you can just see that coming, can't you? Like, the president is like a professional wrestler. Um, (laughs) We've destroyed the crops because we've watered them with Gatorade. The rich have basically bred them, the the intelligent have bred bred themselves out of existence because they don't have kids. Um, It's just, there's so many things in there that you're like, you know, 10 years ago, 
when it came out in 2006, she's like, oh, this will never happen. But now I'm like, wow, I could see this happening. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's one of those films that like, I, I, I do agree. I think it's, it's happening and it's happening now. Like I saw an article, I didn't read it. Um, I like to go to Politico cause I find they're one of the more less biased news outlets and they had, was it them? No, it wasn't them. I mean, I do like to go to them. It was the cover of The Spectator this week, and it said the baby doomer generation, and it said, is climate change what's putting off a generation not having children? Right. It was interesting that it's like, yeah, there is kind of a large group of people now not having children. I mean, I doubt we're going to have a, um, a population crisis just due to the amount of children are still being born i mean the pop- earth's population is going to probably double in my lifetime which is terrifying but. well do you think that covid might have changed that a bit not and i don't mean by the number of people dying but you know if i was planning a family i'm not sure i'd plan one right now i i, I don't i'm not planning a family at all so i i, I it's tough for me yeah. to say really we, we <laughs> won't know for a few years whether how the pandemic has affected that but I would be surprised if it hasn't had. I mean, you could argue, well, everybody at home with nothing to do, baby boom. But at the same time, not knowing about how the infection will affect people, et cetera, et cetera. That's a good, yeah, I didn't think of that. We, I, I don't know which way around. We, 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 I mean, maybe it will even out and we won't see a change. But um, I think I think a lot of people are starting to at least sort of think about, have you know, when you have a kid... It, you know, when you look at what's happening with climate change and all the other kind of bad things that are kind of happening across the world, I always feel like, okay, I don't think this is going to affect our generation. We've probably, I think, it feels like last days of Rome for us, where we're, <laughs> we're potentially, we're going to be all right. Even our, the next generation down might be okay. They might just about be okay, but it feels like, you know, if it was our our grandkids, for example, if we had grandkids, we don't. But if we did, I I would really worry for that generation because I I, re- I, I feel like there's got to be so many huge things happen across the world, you know, where it where ideology, you know kind of religious left versus right as we've said you know so so many things would have to stop existing completely in extreme conflict to one another from an ideology you know standpoint in order for people to come together so you know let's all just work together as as a world like the end of watchmen (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, well like yeah. the end of Watchmen, the comic. Well, I suppose what, what the film. Because didn't like, someone say that COVID, the pandemic, has proved that the end of Watchmen it would just not happen? <laughs> well, the- well, 9-11 proved that the end of Watchmen, the comic, wouldn't happen. Mm, that's true. Because, because, you know, a, a massive disaster hitting New York, which caused thousands to die, didn't bring the world together or New York together or anything together. But do you know mm-hmm. the only thing that I think would talking about kind of a lot of future films that, that predict something. An alien uh, invasion? Exactly. Do I you think, think? Yeah, because ultimately, at, at the moment, we're all kind of squabbling amongst ourselves. You know, it, it just comes down to 
who is right and who is wrong, who, you know, who believes what, it, it, it's religion, it's political dogma, it's, it, you know, essentially no one can agree on anything across this entire planet. If, if an alien, you know, an aggressive or oppressive alien force came and said, look, we're just going to wipe out all of humanity, we don't care if you're right-wing, left-wing, socialist, uh, you know, uh, whatever kind of religious ideology, we don't care about any of that, we're just going to kill you indiscriminately, we would have to sort of look to one another and say, yeah, you know what, what what's more important? Who's, who's right about their political beliefs or religious beliefs or who, how we can come together and survive as as humanity um and i think that's about the only thing that would ever bring the world together enough to independence to... day yeah mm. it is it but is. it would have to be something like independence day don't do you not find it's funny I, I i saw people joking about this online that with all of the covid conspiracies and everything else going on the conspiracy theorists you know about you know 5g chips in your blood and this that and the other um and then at in all of that, the U.S. government genuinely released footage of UFOs that they said they couldn't explain, and nobody blinked. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah isn't that interesting? After years of the conspiracy yeah. theorists saying, "Oh, the, U- the U.S. government is hiding stuff from us," why didn't they tell us the truth? And the U.S. Like- government come out and say, "Well, look, here's this stuff. We're going to show you now." We don't know what this is. And the world's like, yeah, whatever. They're injecting us with 5G <laughs> chips. It's like, what? So I'm not even yeah. sure that an alien invasion would do it because people wouldn't believe what they were seeing on TV. <laughs> it, would ha- it would have to be giant ships in the skies above, above us. Yeah. Like and even then it would probably be like, oh, this is the other side telling me, that, telling me how to live my life and all this kind of... Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's the Japanese. It's Amazon doing it. Yeah. It, it, probably, it probably would be like that. But yeah, I, that, that dump of files, because I think... Uh, who, who was it? Was it CIA or American government? Whoever, whoever released the files. And they, they didn't confirm any of it as saying, look, we believe these are aliens... They we just said it. Was, they didn't know what it was. Yeah, they just said, "Look, this is what we've got. We don't know what it is. Have at it." No one gave a <laughs> flying fuck. I, I just couldn't believe it. It's just like if you look through some of this footage, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it to me, uh, and I know obviously we've covered this in other podcasts. I, I tend to go looking for this kind of thing. You know, I, I do like to believe in you know, extraterrestrial life, ghosts, all types of kind of fringe stuff, even though I've never experienced any of it myself. Uh, but, you know, you look at it and you think, well, this is undeniable. This is, whether you, whether or not you believe it's actual aliens and people, you know, from other civilizations visiting us, I'm not saying that, but there's, there's definite evidence of things that cannot be explained. And yeah. yet, no one cared. Yeah. No one gave a monkey. So, um, just I guess because we're probably running out of time I guess Dan I just yeah. wanted to say one thing really because I noticed on the list you gave us before the podcast that Pacific Rim was on the list wasn't it yeah. and I didn't realise that that Pacific Rim was set so close to our near future or, or to our time and I can't think of anything which is more far away from the truth <laughs> than than those kind of athletic giant robots. I, I could believe kaiju more than I can believe the giant robots. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, because because the amount of like like hasn't one of them? I think Gypsy Danger's got 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 a nuclear reactor at it at its in in its chest in order to run it, and they they need something like uh, twelve helicopters to lift them. Yeah, to the uh, the conflict zone with the kaiju's. It is it is hilariously ridiculous. And the other thing is, it's it's similar to Attack on Titan. In that film, they know the size of these monsters. They know the destructive capability of these monsters. Just like in Attack on Titans, they know what these Titans can do. Yet they still believe, from a political standpoint, um, in in both scenarios. You know what? Let let's stop building big robots. Let's just build big walls, and it's just, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I mean, m- maybe a Donald Trump administration would do this, but you know, well, he did create Space Force. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just like I think there's um, there's actually a film called Monsters, and there are aliens in that film, giant kind of. They're they're a bit like kaiju, but not not quite as sort of you know Godzilla esque. But they're they're more kind of oh I don't know they're like giant spiders, squid things. And in that, the America the American government has created quarantine zones with giant electric fences. But they are I guess they aren't these these things aren't as aggressive. So it's interesting that I don't know. There's this belief that if we had, you know, whatever whatever form of giant creature there is, that we we could somehow stop it from trampling all over our civilization with big fences. So, can I just tell you some interesting stats about Space Force? Yeah. I just looked it up. So, first of all, so created under the Trump administration, but not dissolved by the Biden administration. So it's still there, right? And this is what I think is really good. It has 6,434 personnel and 77 spacecraft. Wow. Like, just like 70, what, shuttles? Like, what, what classic, what is, what is a spacecraft in this context? In this context? An X-Wing. They've got their they've got their own march, the U.S. Space Force March, based on the Invincible Eagle by John Philip. Um, the fact that it's not based on Darth Vader's done, <laughs> done, done, it's just done. They should have at least got John. They should have at least got John Williams to compose uh, it. That yeah. but, been, but you uh, have to go back. You know, only what was it? What was it? The eighties when we had something that was actually called. Um, Star oh, Wars, yeah, it was developed yeah, by the Star Reagan Wars Defense Program, which was Reagan, which was again yeah. an in, insane right-wing former TV, sorry, former film star and TV star who decided that you know they wanted big lasers in space, even when the scientists had kind of gone that oh, that won't work. That instantly makes me think of we're talking about bringing it back to post-apocalyptic films and TV. There, I don't know if this is true. I have heard that this 
this wasn't true, but I've also read a lot of places that said it was. There was a TV series here in England that I remember my parents watching and telling me was absolutely terrifying called Threads, which was uh, what happens if there was a really was a nuclear war here in England. And yeah, it yeah, it's, it's true. It's, yeah. it's in Sheffield. It's hard. Yeah, it took place in Sheffield. And they, um, someone saw that and they did an American version. I forgot. I think it was called The Day After or something like that. But it was basically the exact same film, but took place uh, in somewhere in the Midwest in America. And it's like, what happens? What would really happen if America got hit by a bunch of Soviet nuclear strikes? And apparently Ronald Reagan saw it and was like, oh, is this real? And then he asked his advisors and they're like, it's pretty close to what would really happen so that's why he uh, this is the rumor that um he then met with gorbachev to to do the start i think it was a strategic nuclear weapons reduction the first time they agreed to reduce the nuclear weapons and apparently he sent a letter to the guy who did the american version and said don't think that you didn't have an influence on this because you did I don't know if that, it's one of those things I hope it's true because that sounds awesome. But the fact that basically the most powerful man in the free world was just like, holy shit, is this real? It could be. Right, we're going to do whatever we can to stop it. So if we can get (laughs) the US president to listen to one of our podcasts, we might be able to change the world. Hopefully. (laughs) So can I just add that I've gone now, I'm now on the spaceforce.mil website, right? And there is a recruitment campaign on there, and it says, maybe your purpose on this planet isn't on this planet. Which sounds really like, you know, um, uh, what's the film, the, the, the other Verhoeven film? Uh, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? So, <sighs> you want so to probably, know more? Pro- probably a good place to exit. Yes, that was it. Would you like to know more? Yeah. <laughs> was it then, serving? So you Guarantee you citizenship. Yeah. Cl- cl- Click on the link and it's the sky is not the limit. Well, on that bombshell, thank you both for enlightening us. Uh, Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And yeah, we will speak to you all again soon. Take care. All right. Evening. Adieu.